building, uh, especially right now, and probably throughout the repair process, when we're here on Sunday mornings, the third floor area, like sanctuary bathrooms and all that, is really all we're allowed to be in. So don't go down to the second floor. Uh, Right now there's, you know, machines pulling water out of everything and all that stuff. And so just everyone keep an eye on kids too. Kids, no going downstairs uh, and exploring. I know it sounds fun to go look and see uh, what things uh, look like. I know that's what I want to do, but don't do that. You're not allowed to do that. So Let's all just keep an eye on each other. <laughs> also, adults, don't do that. We're going to keep an eye on, the, on you adults going down there to check out stuff. So, all right. Um, <clears throat> we are, uh, right over uh, Christmas, uh, we decided to uh, look a little bit more intentionally at the Incarnation. Coming off of our uh, sermon series on uh, the Imago Dei and what it means to be human, what it means to be made in the image of God, we looked at what does it mean that Jesus, the Word, takes on flesh? And if Jesus is taking on flesh, what does that mean about our lives? Uh, And so we looked at uh, the glory of Christ uh, pre-incarnation. What what, what does Jesus, uh, what does Christ uh, what glory does he have before he comes to, to take on flesh? And then we looked a little bit, uh, well, we had planned to look a little bit uh, more deeply at the incarnation, and you got my uh, fireplace video. Uh, my house is fine. It did not fill with smoke too much. Um, but uh, about the, uh, the incarnation specifically, and this morning we're going to look at the rest of this passage that we've been in in Philippians about what does the incarnation mean for us in imitating Christ and his humility? What does the incarnation mean for us in imitating Christ and his humility? This is... Uh, Obviously, New Year's Day, and this is the time where people uh, set out goals uh, to try to change things about their lives, change things about their rhythms and habits and all of those things. And maybe you have set some goals. Um, I certainly have uh, set some goals. I have some desires to set goals about being in uh, good rhythms and habits for this year. But I uh, want us to set our eyes towards a, both a loftier and a lowlier goal for this year. A loftier goal in that it is an ideal that we are shooting for, and a lowlier goal in that it is something that our world does not see as a high value or goal, and that is humility. Humility. What would it look like for us as individuals and as the church to embrace and pursue humility this year? That's really the call that Paul has for us in this glorious hymn uh, that we have been looking at. In this, what was our call to worship? This whole section about Jesus all comes because Paul is urging the church towards imitating Christ in his humility. So let's read Philippians 2, 1 through 11, and see uh, what Paul has to say here. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had 
Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, this passage, we've examined the glory of Christ and the humility of Christ. And now we can look at really what is the exhortation of this passage. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, normally here at City Hope, we're just walking through uh, sections of the Bible together, going from the first section to the next section to the next section. Well, in this part, you really have to unpack verses 6 through 11 to understand what Paul is actually trying to get you to do in verses 1 through 5. Paul is calling us to something, and he is giving us the, the reasons behind it in 6 through 11, which we have been looking at. The glory of Christ and his humility. But the call is very simple and very impossible. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. An attitude of humility. And so in this year, new year, we want to see us and uh, us ourselves individually and us as a church embrace humility in this new year. And I want to look at three ways in which we can do that. A humble attitude first towards ourself. A humble posture towards others. And then finally, a humble dependence upon Christ. A humble attitude towards self. A humble posture towards others. And then a humble dependence on Christ. First, a humble attitude towards self. Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. He has a few don'ts and a few do's in the midst of this section on being humble and having a humble attitude towards yourself. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Look, don't look out for your own interests only. But do be humble. What does it mean then for us to be humble in this and not to be selfish? Well, I think one of the things it means in terms of us individually having a humble attitude towards ourselves is to recognize our own limits as being human. One of the things that we talked about a lot over this uh, sermon series on being made in the image of God of what it means to be human and part of what it means to be human is to be a creature with limits. You see, there's two ways in which we uh, go uh, towards selfishness. One is self-indulgence and just thinking only about myself and not caring about my neighbor. And the other is trying to impress my neighbor so much in service that I actually think that I'm capable of doing more than I really am. And that's not humility. Or effective service. Because what you end up doing is just burning yourself out. See what Paul said here. He said, don't look out for your own interests only. 
He didn't say don't look out for your own interests. He said don't look out for your own interests only. Sometimes I think when we think about humility and sacrificial service, we think that what it looks like is destroying yourself for the good of someone else. But that's decidedly not what Paul has said. What it means to be humble is to recognize that you have limits. You need to be human and recognize that you have limits. You are not able to do all things. You cannot do it. And so, if we are to actually embrace humility as Jesus does, just, just survey the Gospels. There are sections, right? Jesus goes off to pray after uh, when He's at Peter's uh, mother's house, right? They have this incredible healing event, teaching event. He slips off early in the morning to pray. Everyone's looking for Jesus. They come and find Him and, and they're like, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Like, we've got more work to do. And Jesus says, hey, we're leaving because we have to leave. So there are people who needed healing and Jesus was right there and he didn't heal them because he was called to something else. Part of being humble is recognizing your own limits and that you can't show up for everyone in every situation because you are a finite person. So, certainly, there is the opposite of that too, which is being selfish, right? Sometimes uh, we struggle with this humility concept because we're serving so much and we want to serve, we want to show up for people, and it's not actually service or humility, it's actually trying to impress others. And the other side of it is sometimes we say, well, you know, i got to care for myself, and I, I, I have limits. And we use that as an excuse to not do anything, right? There is genuine self-care, and there is selfishness. Those are two different things, right? And we have to figure out, hey, what does it look like for us in the midst of this? Am I willing to sacrifice in any way? Or am I simply being selfish and chalking it up to the fact that I have limits? Or am I overworking myself so much because I deny the fact that I have limits? There's a genuine difference between genuine sacrificial care and looking out for others and seeking to be a martyr for no reason. What does it look like for us to embrace humility in such a way that we are recognizing our limits, serving appropriately, and also challenging ourselves to sacrifice our own interests for the good of others? Now, in order to figure out what that looks like, You know what you're going to have to do? Be humble and ask other people to look into your life. Because you can't see it. You are not able to see yourself properly always. And so you need to open yourself up to other people looking into your life and talking to you about your life. The only way that we're able to actually know how to balance those pieces is by allowing other people to be in our lives. And the only way we're able to do that is by taking a humble posture towards others. This is a community project. It's not 
a project that we can do on our own. Just like everything in the Scriptures, Paul is urging you individually to pursue humility, not because you can do it on your own, but because you're going to be doing it in the context of a community that cares about you. So we need to have a humble attitude towards ourselves, but also a humble posture towards others. If everyone has a humble posture towards each other, then this idea of not caring about your own interests, but also caring about the interests of others, is actually meeting your needs. Your needs and your interests are met, not just by you uh, scratching and fighting for them and devouring one another to get them, but by this community being a real community. You see, the logic of what Paul is saying is, if you are to be a community who has real individual needs and interests, the way that those things are solved is not by you being solely concerned about your own interests, but you being concerned about the interests of others and them being concerned about the interests of others, meaning you. Now, that feels dangerous. I actually have to entrust my self-care to a community and not just to a community, but to this community. Not like just like some vague, perfect community. Like, that sounds great. I'm sure it was great in Philippi, Paul. I actually doubt it was great in Philippi. You have Lydia, this wealthy businesswoman who the church meets in her home. A slave girl who's been, uh, uh, had a demon exercised from her. And Paul, like that's the foundation of this church, right? Oh, no, sorry, the jailer. The jailer and his family. That's a jacked up group of people to come together and say, hey, you guys are going to care for each other's needs. Like your interests and needs are going to be met by you caring about other people's interests and them caring about your interests. But when it actually happens, it's a beautiful expression of real community and care. When it actually happens, it's a beautiful expression of the Trinity at work. The love of God the Father for the love of God the Son and the love of God the Son for the love of God the Father and the Spirit's love and mutual fellowship amongst them. That community is what we are to reflect. Caring not only about our own interests, but about the interests of others. What does Paul say at the beginning of this passage? Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Part of having a humble posture towards each other is this phrase, don't try to impress others. This is probably a phrase that is needed in the church maybe more than any other place. We love to display a false humility in front of others by way of trying to impress other people rather than actually express real humility. We cannot be a community of competitive impressors but a loving community of servants is what we need to be. This is the key to humility, right? And we're really not super honest about it, are we? 
we're not super honest about the fact that what we do in community a lot is really an attempt to impress each other. Sometimes our godly pursuits of holiness, our amount of reading, theological reading that we do, our knowledge, our good works, our care for justice, our care for our neighbor, being the ones who care the most about justice or about race or about loving neighbor without actually doing anything to accomplish anything in those ways, but being the one that cares the most about it in order to impress each other. Because actually caring about those things and actually working for those things doesn't come with any accolades. Doesn't come with any fanfare. If we're really going to do the thing that we believe God has called us to do as a church in this city, we can't be doing it to impress anyone. We can't be doing it to impress anyone. We cannot care about accolades or anyone being impressed with us. That's a sure way to not love your neighbor well. If you are concerned about what others think about how you love your neighbor, you will not love your neighbor well. Because you're just simply trying to impress other people. We're simply trying to compete with one another in subtle ways to impress each other. Rather than simply being honest with who we are and where we're at in our process of growth, It's far better to say, I really struggle with serving my neighbor because I'm selfish. I want to repent, help me, rather than faking it and saying, I love serving my neighbor. Right? Jesus calls us just to simple honesty about where we're at. The only way to growth is real repentance, which means real honesty. So it's far better for us to be a humble community that says, I stink at loving my neighbor in this way. Let me repent of that and help me grow. Rather than being like, man, I just love my neighbor so much. You know, I was thinking the other day, that Samaritan, man, he did a good job. But I have done so many things just like that. No, you and I are just like the ones that walk on by in most situations. Which is why we need to repent and why the gospel is such good news. We can actually be humble about where we are as a person and where we are in our growth. And that's actually the key to continuing to grow in holiness. We need to think of others as better than ourselves. Now, we have been talking a lot about the image of God. And remember one of the things when I quoted C.S. Lewis in uh, The Weight of Glory, he says, apart from the sacrament, the holiest thing that you're going to see today is your neighbor. If we're going to embrace the humility of Christ that Paul calls us to in this passage, having the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, we need to know and value the image of God in all people around us. That's how we find value in other people is by recognizing they are made in the image of God. They are reflecting something of His glory and beauty in a way that no other person on the planet does. So the most annoying person in your life reflects something about the glory of God that no one else in the world does. 
They are a glorious creature. They are made in the image of God. They are stamped with the divine image. We need to value other people in that way. Now, valuing other people more than yourself does not mean the way to do that is by devaluing myself. Right? Like, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Right? It's not like, oh, I'm really, really terrible. Let me think less of myself so I can think better of others. It's actually thinking rightly about yourself as made in the image of God and honoring that in yourself and then thinking rightly about others as being made in the image of God and elevating your view of others, not devaluing your view of self. He also says to look out for the interests of others. Part of playing out humility in this Community is looking out for others' interests. Now, I think there are both small things that we can do to build these habits and big things that we can do to build these habits of looking out for the interests of others. You can simply talk to people. Coworkers, friends, neighbors, the, the uh, waiters and waitresses at restaurants that you're at, the, the clerk that's checking you out at the grocery store, Just talking to people. That is a small thing, but it looks out for the interests of others, particularly in our culture in which we are so connected to people on the other side of the globe, but so disconnected from people we see flesh and blood. Just simply talking to people. Now, that's not a huge thing, but it builds a habit of humility in us and builds a habit of caring about the interests of other people. And when I say talk to other people, I mean ask them questions about their lives and listen. (laughs) Not just talk about yourself, right? Like talk to other people by asking them questions about their life and listening. Right? We talked about this a lot during our Imago Day series in interacting with all of the ethical concerns about what it means to be human in our culture. The posture that we need to take is a humble posture of listening to people's lives and their stories. And that will go forward so much further in displaying Christ than like shouting truth at people. We need to actually listen, actually understand them, actually think about them. Now, uh, another small habit of humility in thinking about the interests of others, wherever you are, let someone else go in front of you. Like it's just this tiny little habit, right? You know, if you're driving along, Somebody else go in front of you? I know you got somewhere to be. It's okay. They do too. Think about the interests of others. Just these small little habits of humility. But then, when you build these small habits of humility, then when you get to the big things, you can actually take an interest in others. How you spend your money. How you plan to save and spend your money this year should think not only about your own interests, but the interests of others. That's what Paul says. Think not about your own interests, but about the interests of others. You're in a community. How am I going to spend my money in such a way that it showcases that I care not about my own interests only, but about the interests of others as well? How you spend your time. How you spend your vacation. How you organize your daily routine, your weekly routine. Do you have margin in your life to care for other people? If not, how are you looking out for the interests of others and not only for your own interests? 
If you are so overscheduled that you don't have space, because actually looking out for the interests of others means uninterrupted, or not uninterrupted, interruptions in your, time, in your time and life, and the ability to actually have margin to be able to care for other people. Because looking out for the interests of others is usually going to come up in the most inconvenient time. So, if I am so overscheduled, right, I'm not going to have time to let someone go in front of me somewhere because i got to get somewhere. I'm, I'm busy. I'm overscheduled. I'm doing this thing. And I'm ignoring people made in the image of God in order to get to the place that I want to be. Right? This is uh, uh, this big picture thing of how do I spend my time showcases whether or not I care about myself only or about the interests of others as well. Now, all of that sounds really hard. And actually is impossible for you to do. Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. All right, Paul. I can't do that. Which is why, if we're going to have a humble attitude towards self and a humble posture towards others, we must have a humble dependence upon Christ. We must have a humble dependence upon Christ. Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. How do we do that? Well, we have to imitate Christ. But the way we do that is not by working up humility in ourselves. That's actually just the opposite of what we just talked about, right? Humility isn't something that you can just sort of work up in yourself, right? That's kind of, it goes against what humility is, right? You're not trying to impress others or think too highly of yourself, right? Romans 12, Paul says this, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Here's the thing. You and I, we're not good at humility. Be honest. You're not good at humility. It's really hard. The example that Paul uses is Christ in His glory being fully God, becoming human. That's insane. You don't have that kind of humility. You can't have that kind of humility. You're not going to get that. So what does Paul mean when he says have the same attitude of Christ? How then can we do this? Well, we have to have a humble dependence upon Christ's humility in our place. You see, Paul, when he says things like this, when he calls us to glorious truths and ethical things and moral things that are far beyond our ability, he's doing so with the logic of the Gospel already built in. Which is this. Transformation happens because of our worship and dependence on Christ by the Spirit. This is one of the most powerful verses that Paul has in understanding what it means to be transformed by the gospel. 2 Corinthians 3.18 So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. He's talking about having the veil that uh, he's using the analogy of when Moses went up to the mountain and had a veil on, right, when he came down. Because he had met with the Lord and he was glowing. 
And the gospel removes that veil for us so that we can see the glory of God. So when you believe in the gospel, when you believe that Jesus came as fully God, became fully man, and died a criminal's death on a cross in your place, when you trust in that, this veil is removed from your heart so that you can see the glory of God in Jesus. What does he say? And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So what Paul says is, this is the logic of the Gospel. You look at Jesus. You behold Him. You worship Him. You sit in awe at His character and then you become like Him. That's how it works. Why do you think Paul does this? He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Then what does he do? He goes on this glorious hymn that is talking about how glorious Jesus is. He doesn't say, therefore, here's a five-step plan for how you create that kind of humility in your life. No, he says, worship Jesus. Here it is. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The way we become humble is by worshiping the humble Christ. The way we, if we want to be humble and have the attitude of Christ, we need to worship him, gaze upon him, behold him, focus our attention upon him and his humility. Study his glory and his humility and you will be transformed into that same image by the power of the Spirit. Worship Christ who is the humble one. Have wonder and awe because of the incarnation. All of these things, right? We need to, if we're going to pursue any, anything of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Today we're talking about humility, but any fruit of the Spirit, the same applies. Look at that fruit of the Spirit displayed in the person of Jesus Worship Him because of it and be transformed to be like Him in it. Now this is long. It's messy. It's going to take time. It's not this easy program where you pick up a book, you read it, and therefore you're good. That's why it's a community project together. It's why it actually calls us to have patience with one another in our growth process. And it's why the most important thing you can do Every day, to love your neighbor well and have a humble, atti- or a humble posture towards others and a humble attitude towards self is worship Jesus. That's actually the most important thing you can do any day if you're going to love your neighbor well. It's not all these outward activities that are going to do it. Those things have to happen and they will come. I'm not saying don't do anything in actually practically loving your neighbor because Paul would say, That's not actual love and not actual faith. Right? But I I am saying, don't do those things apart from worshiping Jesus and Him first. Now, if we're to... If if you're thinking about any sort of habits or uh, goals for the year, 
part of transforming habits in your life and having, setting goals and accomplishing them is changing what you see every day. Like little things, like just putting something, uh, putting, uh, uh, something in front of you, uh, whereas it, it, you, you, know, you have it in a drawer somewhere, right? Making things easy, right? So you want to exercise more. You like sit, set out your exercise clothes and have everything ready to go the night before, right? These little, simple, easy things. Why? Because we're actually just super habitual creatures. And we need to see things and then, then we actually do them, all those things. The same is true with the Christian life. You want to grow in humility, set Jesus before your eyes. You want to grow in your holiness and humility, put Christ in front of you. Just simple things. Prioritize Sunday morning worship. Like, if I'm going to actually worship Jesus and do so in a humble community, I have to be a part of that community. i got to show up i got to prioritize what it means to worship Jesus in this way. And we in the, the modern evangelical world, right, we have this glorious advantage of every one of us has like 50 Bibles at home. And we can meet with Jesus whenever we want, right? That's really good. But for all of Christian history, that wasn't the case. And the primary means by which people learned about Christ and worshipped Him was the public gathering of believers in the church. So let's not, I'm not saying let's throw that other thing away, right? I'm going to talk about your private devotional life in a second. But I'm saying don't throw this away. This is the primary means by which God has said, I will build my kingdom and people will come to know me. Right? The preaching of God's word, the worship of God's people, the communion of saints together at the Lord's Supper, the experience of the sacraments, all those things, that's how Jesus said, I'm going to do it. So if you want to grow as a Christian, submit yourself to the things that Jesus said, I'm going to be in. And that's how we grow. Now, I know that's hard sometimes. Some of us have experienced really hard situations at churches. Some of us have have hurts from community and other situations. I know that's hard. So be honest with where you are Take a humble position. Be honest where you are. Be forthright. And then just grow one step at a time. It's okay. We're in this for the long haul. Like, the vision that we have for a church here is should outlast my lifetime. And if that's not my vision for us, if that's not our vision for us, we're missing Jesus' point. Because it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom. So we got plenty of time. Take your time. Walk through these things. But set it as a priority to keep Christ before you. Small groups. We've started these small groups. We want to grow in humility with one another. We want to actually take a humble posture towards each other. Be in a small group with people for a long time. And they will annoy you. They will cause you situations in which you have to actually exercise humility. Right? Part of the reality is if you want to experience the fruit of the Spirit, you know what you have to do? You have to be in positions where you actually have to test those things, right? It's like, I want to get stronger without lifting weights. Well, that's not going to work. I want to get humble without annoying people. Not going to happen. It's just part of what happens, right? I want to learn how to be patient. Well, you better be around 
some things that make you very impatient. Why? Because that's what actually tests and grows and stretches you in those things. So you've got to put yourself in those places. That's why we designed those things. That's why we designed it the way we did in terms of just dividing up the city. So you don't get to pick who you get to be around. Oh, man. I don't get to pick who I get to be No! Because that's how it works. You've got to just be with who you are. That's where you grow. We've got to also have daily intimacy with Jesus if we're going to grow in our dependence upon Christ. It's why we started the Daily Prayer Project. We're encouraging you. We're not providing those books anymore, but we're encouraging you to continue to pursue that um, because we want you to daily walk with Jesus. How do we grow over a lifetime? It's only by taking little tiny steps every day in daily intimacy with Jesus. Now, all of these things in growing, they're not earth-shattering, guys. They're not... Like, I, I got no secret tips up here. This is just walking through the Scriptures together. It's not earth-shattering. It's very simple. But what it will do is show you more of Jesus, and then you will show more of Jesus to our neighbors. And if that happens, you know what? The Star Press isn't going to write an article about it. No one's going to care. But our hurting neighbors, they'll know it. They'll see it. They'll experience it in our community. Our families, our coworkers, our roommates, our city will taste and see Jesus because we're tasting and seeing Jesus and living it out. We won't get accolades or quick church growth or glorious recognition or celebrity status or wealth. But we will get Jesus. And remember the glory that we talked about of Jesus? The glory of Jesus? Remember Paul says, He goes into humility. And what does he say? Therefore. Verse 9, he says, therefore. Right? If you see therefore in the Scriptures, you've got to ask, what's the therefore? Therefore. Why is therefore there? Because Jesus entered into humility... Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Embracing humility now brings glory later. The glory of Jesus that we get to experience and see now pales in comparison to what we will get to see and experience later. But if we want to see that glory later, be like Him now. Because you'll see more of it later. That's how it works. The more we experience Jesus now, the better and better the new heavens and new earth is going to be. Because it's going to be all about Jesus. So if we're going to really, truly soak up what the new heavens and new earth is like, worship Jesus now. Embrace humble dependence upon Him. And think not only of ourselves, but of the good of others. Having a humble posture towards them, humble attitude towards ourselves, all because of a humble dependence upon Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to You now, recognizing that we are in deep need. 
We cannot have the attitude that Christ Jesus had on our own. Which is why Jesus, when you ascended into heaven, you gifted us your spirit so that we would be one with you, united with you, so that we would be transformed as we worship you to be like you. So Jesus, would you help us be dependent upon you in our daily lives, honest about where we are, repentant and growing to be more and more like you, Jesus, one step at a time. Receive now our worship and be honored, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.